by the end of Saturday, it was we need to take out the young. We need to take out the left. Yeah. I'm I'm having a hard time hitting five foot putts. Did I see that you hit a ball so hard you broke a driver head? That is uh, that is correct. It may be the only ball I squared up all day. <laughs> so, What's your handicap? Well, we don't have to talk about that all right. right now. I was a member at a private course like the last two years, but I've never been as like into golf. Is that a humble brag guy? <laughs> that is such a humble brag. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Lefties Lounge podcast. I'm your host, Ron Newkirk, and with me, as always, is Mr. Graphic. We have a great show for you, an- another interview. We have uh, Sean Walsh and Skylar Fennell from the Pros for Pros Tour, the PFP Tour. Um, had a really great time sitting down with them and uh, chatting about their their mini tour that they created, and uh, they're just really great guys. John, what do you what did you think about this whole thing? I thought it was a really really cool chat. Mic check, mic check. Oh, uh, let's go! Yeah. Coming in finally, finally too. If, if we sound a little different, if you could finally, uh, if I finally sound a little more clear, uh, we do. We're we're officially a two mic podcast, so this is a big step. <laughs> this is um, big. Unfortunately, the interview isn't with the microphone, but that's damn. Yeah, that's, that's you'll point. be able to it you'll be able to tell in. the difference and and respect the difference, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you'll hear the difference very shortly. Um, Hell yeah! No, no, but an awesome pod. What a two just really cool personalities. Um, very fun to talk to. It was a really really enjoyable conversation, um, and just very polished like they were just yeah. they were so good they were so good listen to their story their message um yeah. it, it was really good we could have went super deep with them I, i'm really excited to continue this relationship and see how they play this year yeah. um it's and gonna definitely, be awesome yeah gonna have them on some more to pick their brain a little more because you you can tell the both very sharp yeah no it was uh it was just awesome uh, obviously they're they're pro golfers right now um, just trying to make it. And they decided during COVID to just make their own mini tour because they were sick and tired of the other ones. Um, so they're just, they're a transparent group of guys and just, it was, it was awesome to sit down with them. So let's, uh, let's kick it right to that interview. What's up everybody. Today we have not one, but two professional golfers with us today. They're aspiring to play on the PGA Tour, and in the very little spare time that they have from grinding out there, they put their entrepreneurial skills to use and created a mini tour that is unlike any other, the Pros for Pros Tour. Now, I'm not going to get into it too deep yet, but uh, we're going to let them explain it. Let's bring them in, Sean Walsh and Skylar Fennell. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Lefties Lounge. What's up? We appreciate you having us. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, Last time we talked... Uh, you guys were in the Taco Bell drive-through. Are we going to have any of that going on today? There. Or... If there's I a flash, you're going to hear the doorbell. It may be a Doritos Locos Tacos rolling. Out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. God, what yes. I would do for one of those right now. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's let's just start. Um, you guys are both trying to make it on tour. Just tell us a little bit about your story, how you got here. Um, I don't know which one you want to start. Maybe Sean, you want to start yeah, first. Sean. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so I graduated from Gonzaga University. Uh, pray to God we win March Madness. I have a lot of money that says hopefully we will anyway. <laughs> um, but I graduated from there in 2016 and uh, turned pro at the beginning of 2017. Kind of bounced around. I played full season on Canada in 17, full season on Latin America in 18. 
and then actually made it through to final stage of Q school in the December of 18 to go play um, corn fairy tour and made a snowman on my 70th hole, which is normally not what you're supposed to do. So that only dropped me like 45 spots. Anyway, had conditional status. So played a bunch of Mondays in 19, played in China for a few events, um, ended up in Canada. And yeah, then 2020, um, well, we'll get into the PFP tour later, but had nothing to do. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit just the brief on my whole short four-year career that I've had so far, but yeah, um, not as illustrious as Skyler's though, I'm sure. Well, let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into that one then. That sounds very interesting. <laughs> no, no, pretty, pretty similar story. Yeah, we were both 2016 class. I went to USD, another West Coast Conference school. Um, and then, that means San Diego to the people that listen University from the East San Coast Diego. that think not, it's South Dakota. I, oh, State or, <laughs> exactly. Not Xander School at San Diego State. And not That's right. State, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I played Canada in 2017 and then played Latin America 2018, 2019. And that's where Sean and I kind of started to travel together in 2018. And, yeah, I played there again in 2019. And then 2020, I wasn't going back for a third time back to latin so i was actually we were supposed to do china at the start of this or 2020 and then we started monitoring covid kind of early on when it was starting in china over there and then seeing that seemed unlikely and then it was going to do canada and then that didn't pan out and then yeah kind of started trending into uh us brainstorming and uh coming up with ideas for the pfp what are we going to do with all of our free time yeah. really yeah <laughs> that's crazy um yeah. so yeah you got you talked a little bit about conditional status on the corn fairy tour just for like and just the whole thing like you're bouncing around from latin america to canada to doing all this stuff kind of paint a picture just to the listeners um that don't really realize how much of a grind it is like what does conditional status on the corn fairy tour actually get you? What do you have to do? And then just, just tell us like the, the main struggles that you guys are trying to go to get to the tour. Yeah. So when I got conditional status on the corn fairy tour, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy because you work, there's pre Q first stage, second stage, and then final stage of Q school. So I started, I was able to, because I had Latin America status to begin at first stage of Q school. Um, so I made it through first stage and then made it to second stage, um, which everybody who makes it to final stage, um, actually gets a corn fairy card. Then you, that's where you play for status. So I think there was like 150 to 160 guys and the top 40 gets guaranteed starts. So like 25% of them do, um, and yeah, and if you finish 41st, you're kind of SOL. It's, it's pretty crazy with just, um, I mean, I guess how few guys that they take from there, because there are, there's a lot of different spots, like 10 guys from Latin and Canada and China. So those are 30 guys there that also get conditional status that kind of feed into the system. So um, really you play your entire year just to really hope that you time it up right that one week, which is it a good system? Who am I to say, but that's the system that you kind of are stuck dealing with. And uh yeah, I mean, you just really have to play well. And uh, and when I say well, I guess I mean very, very well. Um, I remember I think that I shot 10 under for four days, and I think I missed guaranteed starts probably by five strokes, I think. Um, once again, my snowman didn't help. But, uh, yeah, so it was – and it, the course wasn't, wasn't as difficult as some of the other ones have been. So 
Um, if you weren't really shooting three to f- or four to five under a day, you kind of were losing pace with the field, which is was kind of the first time that I had ever really realized, you know, that was kind of my welcome to pro golf was just like, holy smokes. Like, yeah, everybody's like if, doing this out here. Like, five feet from 150 yards ain't going to get it done anymore. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Conditional corn fairy status. I kind of at first almost kind of felt lost. I felt like I wasted $5,000 on Q school and kind of came out with nothing to show for it. But, um, fortunately enough, those guys, the conditional corn fairy guys have the ability to jump around to the developmental tours that are kind of below them. Okay. Um, like China, Latin and Canada. Okay. And play on there and try to kind of play their way back in, which is what I ended up doing by playing a few events over in China. And then really just after that committing to Canada in 2019. So, so when you commit to a tour like that, do you, can you, are you still trying to play like the Monday qualifiers or are you just totally like on their schedule? How does that whole thing work? Yeah. Um, I mean, so with Canada, obviously they're kind of season restricted. So Canada is for three to three and a half months in the summertime. Okay. Uh, Latin America runs from, I guess they kind of, well, they're kind of changing it now. It used to run from about March to June and then they would take a break during Canada and then they would start up again in what Scott like September. Is that about right? Yeah. September to like November, December. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, I mean, so I started by trying to play a lot of the Monday qualifiers because there is an ability to, um, reshuffle in if you are able to get into a corn fairy event, make a cut, and then you're able to jump ahead of other people that hadn't made a cut yet or something like that. So you're forced to play these Monday qualifiers early on if you have these, this conditional status. Right. Uh, and so I played a lot of those and, shot you know i mean a lot of people i don't know if your uh listeners are familiar with it but a lot of people in those monday qualifiers shoot 65 to 67 to 68 and you know thanks for coming you're heading home because you finished eighth out of 120 person field and you only get top four so yeah which it's is uh, ridiculous yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy which i mean i guess we'll get into the whole monday qualifier thing later when we talk about pfp but yeah, yeah it's exactly. um it's it's just uh it's a grind i mean uh it's hard to play a bunch of those in a row and to not convince yourself that you're playing crappy golf, even though you're shooting, you know, like I said, 65 to 67. And, um, you know, cause it's unfortunately you try to convince yourself that golf is a process oriented game when in reality, all that matters is the result. Um, and, uh, so you kind of just have to just somehow have the mental fortitude to just continue to remind yourself that, you know, just, keep playing good golf. I'll think, you know, that hopefully good things are going to happen, you know, up around the corner, all those things that you lie to yourself about. So <laughs> exactly. So Skylar, what, what are the, what are the mental struggles? Like you go, it seems like there's just so much competition in these Monday qualifiers. And I'm sure even when you go to the Latin America tour in Canada and all that stuff, like you're, you're all professional golfers doing the same thing. And there's so much competition when you go out and shoot 65 after 65, like, what do you have to tell yourself? Like, what do you, what do you have to do mentally to, to keep grinding like this? And not only that, but you're traveling and they're, you're doing so much stuff. So just, yeah. what are you guys trying to do? It's well, I mean, to be honest, <laughs> I don't play a lot of Monday qualifiers because it's there like, like Brooks has come out and said, he's like, if I'm playing Monday qualifiers, I'm maybe getting in like one or two, you know, in a whatever seven week stretch. So, right. so that's why it's like, 
golf is kind of weird because it's not like professional baseball or football where it's like you get drafted to a team, you have this course of action to make it to the elite level. Golf, there's so many different avenues of one, if you're going through the PGA Tour system where you can play the umbrella tours, Latin Canada, China, work your way up, build status that way to the Corn Ferry Tour or wait at the end of the year and play Corn Ferry Q School at the end of the year and build your status that way. Or you can play the Mondays. And if you feel like you're going to pump out a 64 and get into the event, you feel like you're hot, then yeah. ride it out. Maybe it's worth, you know, shelling out three, 400 bucks on that event. So it, it's it's weird that it's kind of, you you figure out your strengths. And at least for me and Sean, where I see us as very like consistent players, you give me four rounds. Like I feel confident that I have a better chance of getting to like 10, 20 under par shooting three, four, five under a day rather yeah. than me going out and shoot seven, eight or nine in one round. Right. So right. The, the longevity consistency wise, I think pays off more for me to target playing a tour, playing Latin, playing Canada, China, like in, in Latin America in 2018, I finished whatever, like 20th or 18th on the money list. So that yeah. got me straight to second stage of Q school. So okay. you can chase the Monday qualifiers all year, not get into one. And then you're right back down at first stage. Right. And you, even though you made it to final stage last year. So it, it's just, I mean, targeting, you know, what, what you want to attack, but it's also going in, whether it's a one round qualifier, four round qualifier, I've got qual I've got Canada Q school in two weeks. And this nice. is the first big qualifier I would have had in, I don't know, year and a half, two since years. Since Q school, probably, huh? Yeah, exactly. Since Q, yeah, yeah. since Cornberry Q school two years ago, oh, and wow. I've made it to second stage three years in a row. I've missed it by a shot my first year. So it's playing enough now. It's like it's another week. It's another event. You you go into it as professionally as you can, as prepared as you can for the golf course at that time, and you just suck it up and you handle it. I don't know what else to say. It's just it's yeah. Really and I I mean personally, like I relish in getting prepped and ready for an event like I like that it, it's you kind of see the time the price like okay you got a month out you kind of see how your game's at right. you analyze your weaknesses work on things and then once you get into it it's like I've prepped as hard as I can like as well as I can I've just got to let it all hang out just let it happen whatever and, happens happens, and, if it happens and, and you know putts are falling and you're hitting it well and things pan out great if not you're not you're not going to kick yourself like trying harder than you you were intending and then you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So golf is a weird game, as you know, like you'll hit better <laughs> shots when you're not trying than when you are trying. So yeah, it's yeah. figuring out like what works for you. And I think Sean and I, have, I think any pro that gets older and has more experience, just figure out, figures out what works best for them. Yeah. That's, it's crazy to me that, that there's just that much competition. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do it. That's why I'm not a professional golfer. So <laughs> John, were you going to say something? No, I was going to say, it, it, it seems like you guys have such, I think you were kind of touching on it there, Skylar, like you guys have, you, you kind of have like the process, you kind of have like the mindset, you, you understand kind of what it takes now. And I think you were alluding to it a little bit, but like how much has experience, like how much has that been experienced and like how, how different is like kind of your headspace in your game like now than it was as say like even just two, three years ago. Oh, for sure. I would say too, just in the progression from like, high school to college to professional, like learning how to travel is a huge thing. Like mm. Sean and I traveling in Canada, it's a little bit easier just north of the border going down to Latin America, you're flying down to Argentina and nobody <laughs> speaks English. Like I had to go down, we did our qualifier in Argentina 
and oh, I got it right. like a day early and I didn't bring enough cash to get exchanged. So I'm like oh. going into this mall and nobody speaks English. I'm like, uh, ayúdame, por favor. Like just, I mean, you're up to <laughs> Not bad. before you can get to the golf course and try to figure out how to get through that week and finish in the top 10. So <laughs> I think that aspect just, I mean, matures you really quickly. You either adapt or die. And I think that that has been huge just from yeah where I was like just out of college to where I am now, knowing how to travel a little bit better and just handling your, your, your shit, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. from your travel to your golf, to yeah. your business stuff, just getting all your, everything in order where you can then just get to the golf course and kind of relax and not feel like you're stressing about other things. I think that's, yeah, that's an underrated thing that nobody really thinks about is that you're not only playing the game, you're, you're trying to get better at golf and, and play in these tournaments and do all this stuff. And then you still have to travel. Like you yeah. just don't have agents and you don't have like all this, you know, you don't have people to, to really yeah. help you along the way. It's, that's crazy to think about. So, yeah, exactly. Like we talk about all the time. That's like, they, they talk about on um, golf tournaments on TV. It's like, Oh, there's so much pressure over this putt, whether they're in contention or maybe making the cut. It's like, they are still in a very cush position. Try to go yeah. to like a cut line in Argentina where then yeah. you're either stuck hanging out in the hotel for the weekend with nowhere to practice or heading home or not sure what you're doing or if your career is continued. It's like, it's definitely a different kind of pressure. Obviously there's pressure at every level, right. but um, it's just, it's, it's pretty wild at those stages when you're, young and feels like you're kind of on your own and just you know yeah go yeah exactly exactly (laughs) that's wild yeah so let's uh let's move to 2019 uh the pandemic hit and you guys really didn't know what was going on with the tours but uh i'm pretty sure that there was a money game 2020 oh 2020 sorry yeah it feels like it was 2019 i just completely rolled with that i was just you lay off 2019 (laughs) 2019 was a great year (laughs) (laughs) 2020 hits i'm sorry um so you guys are trying to figure out something to do you started a money game tell us a little bit about that because that kind of leads us into what you guys have created yeah yeah so uh yeah, pandemic hits. Uh, Skyler, I think you went back to California. California, the only person going back to California. <laughs> yeah, there's like, why is there only one person on the plane? Like, yeah. I, the pilot's not even here. Um, yeah, so, so I think pandemic hits, and yeah, a lot of it was like, okay, what do we do now? I did. We didn't even know if golf courses were going to be open, um, and Thankfully, um, not going to be like that, that Texan that says, thankfully, I live in the great state of Texas. But um, <laughs> it was nice because we took a relatively conservative approach to the whole COVID thing, as I'm sure the country knows. And um, yeah, we kept golf courses open. And so at that point, there was, I mean, there's got to be over 200 pros that live in the DFW area itself. And a lot of some of the private courses were closed down. I know that a lot of the public courses were really limiting, you know, access and things like that. Um, so I kind of had the idea of, okay, nobody is able to, I mean, normally, you know, you'd have games every week, things like that. Those aren't happening anymore. So I went to the GM up at a golf course that I've played at since I was little um, in Keller, Texas, a suburb of DFW called Sky Creek Ranch. And the guy's name is Jonathan Bird, not the PJ Tour player, 
but um, Jonathan was uh, a real homie and he was just like, yeah, absolutely. Like bring as many guys as you want out. Um, just don't get me in trouble with the city, please. Uh, please social distance, all this, uh, that stuff, yada, yada. Um, yeah. And I think we started our first event. We had 12 guys. Uh, like I said, I mean, the, the web is pretty connected amongst pros um, everywhere, let alone if you all live in the same area. And when we put together our first game, I had a decent amount of Corn Ferry Buddies, Charlie Saxon, Max McGreevy, um, oh gosh, uh, Grant Hirschman, um, and well, some other guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so um, a decently competitive game. And so we started with like 10 to 12 guys and we had, I think it was three, four, four man teams or whatever. And we did an indie pot, things like that. It was like a hundred bucks, everybody throw a hundred bucks in. 80 of it goes to the low gross, gross, I guess gross. Yeah, low score. And then uh, 20% 20 goes to skins. So we started there. And then all those guys lived in like a pseudo frat house with like a bunch of other corn fairy guys. And then uh, Scotty Scheffler lived there too. And so, and I had known Scotty growing up from uh, junior golf days and everything from him kicking the crap out of me when he was like eight. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, soon enough, we had PGA Tour guys, and I think our, our last few of them, we ran those games probably for about seven to eight weeks, and I think the last few of them, we were in about the mid-30s um, with, oh, wow. I think at one point, we had like six to seven PGA Tour player, former PGA Tour players. We had probably eight to nine Corn Ferry guys. We had a couple LPGA girls, Cheyenne Knight played, who won nice. on LPGA a couple of years back, um, and then what was really cool about that as well is that it actually gave um, some amateurs in the area and some high schoolers the ability to come out and play, you know, against these um, to kind of see, I guess, uh, to get a look at what it kind of takes. And Mm -hmm. really what I wanted them to see by coming out is to know how, how they aren't as far off as they might think they are. Um, I mean, I think that for um, these really good high school players that were coming out and playing and these amateurs, uh, we're able to kind of see, okay, like it's, it's impressive, but, it, but it's not undoable. And I think right. that sometimes, you know, watching golf on TV and some of the announcers can make a lot of the things seem so, I guess, unobtainable um, unless you're, you know, a stud of studs. Uh, I think that uh, by having them out, it really showed them how, I guess, kind of thin that margin was and that, Hey, all you got to do is keep grinding, you know, and it's like, yeah. I mean, look at how they compose themselves on the golf course. Look at how, you know, they approach things, different shots. And um, I thought that was really good. So overall, it was super constructive for everybody. And uh, I'm not going to take credit for anybody, but a lot of the guys <laughs> came out playing really well once Corn Ferry and the PJ Tour kind of started back up again. So it's awesome. Yeah. So it's just yeah. good competition when you didn't have it and you're exactly. playing for a little bit of money. So it's, it's getting the juices pumping. So you guys were basically in turn created your own tour that kind of gave you the idea for this is that right Skyline? yeah i would i would say yeah like we i think this is maybe even an idea we had had before sean and i had talked about especially when he was playing some of those uh monday qualifiers when he had conditional status okay. and just some other mini tours too when we kind of have filler time in the off season of things to plan and being like, man, that's just like costs a lot of money to go play the Monday qualifier. You're in like a grand for the week after hotel and everything. And, you know, you shoot 65 and you're stuck like with nothing to do. And then Sean does this game. Like I come in, I remember like the first 
day back, I was like, hadn't, I hadn't played a golf course in like two months. And it's like me, Sean, Scotty Scheffler, and like some other Charlie, guys. I think, right? Charlie Saxon. Charlie yeah. Saxon? yeah. And I'm like, all right, like, here we go. And, and Sean sets up. Here's your donation. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll take my 76 and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but Sean like sets up this game and like running all the numbers and everything works out cleanly. It's like, he's not taking a cut or anything. It's like, okay, like this is everybody's down, like puts in a fair buy-in the payouts good. Like, okay. And we had talked about the corn Ferry Mondays, like, okay, everybody's there, you miss it. And then there's nothing to do. You, you kind of twiddle your thumbs for the rest of the week, or you go home or you, you don't know what to do with your flight. So I think we, the idea kind of came through a lot of different things and just being like, why is there not a tour that follows the corn Ferry Mondays that is more player friendly compared to a lot of mini tours. Mm -hmm. So it kind of fills that void of while you're in Omaha, Nebraska or Florida or wherever that Monday qualifier is, if you miss it on that Monday, you play our event, you can take that Tuesday off or play a practice round if you want. Sometimes our courses are the same course as that Monday qualifier. Mm -hmm. And then you play That's Wednesday, awesome. Thursday, Friday, no cut, guaranteed three rounds. You get in the reps of playing competitive golf and all in carts. So you maintain your energy. Yeah. So by the time you leave, you can keep the same flight. You leave that Saturday the next monday if you're chasing all of them you're refreshed ready to go feeling like you've been playing well you haven't left yeah. the previous monday where you shoot 66 you miss it feel like you failed and then you're kind of you know down going into the next event as opposed to you play that you miss it you play our event you put three 67s together you win you finish in the top five you're feeling good you know you're playing well and it right. kind of hedges your bet going in to be able to play more events down the line so that's yeah. like the, the short summary, I would say, yeah, of kind of how it came along. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome how it's set up because, like you said, like just kind of going back to the mental side of the whole thing, like you go to these Monday qualifiers, you shoot your 67, whatever, you come in eighth, you don't get anything, you just spent a grand. Now you're stuck yeah. somewhere, you have nowhere to practice. You have to, you know, if you do, you got to go pay money to go somewhere else. And like, mm -hmm. it's just, uh, it, it's a crazy thing. So you guys are just, I, it's it's an awesome concept. I, I really think it's it is uh, it's it's genius. Yeah. It's, uh, I actually um I, it's funny you mentioned the OU guys. I I first found out about you guys through um Luke Kwan who was, ah, if if the, the YouTube if, sensation the, Luke yeah Kwan. The, the, the YouTube <laughs> sensation. I was gonna say he's gonna um, love that, that. I said that on here. God, I know right. I um, hope he's no, listening because that'd be pretty oh, cool. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, we'll get we'll get old Luke Kwan listening. He's probably Let's in the go. gym doing arm day. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw he's got he's got two videos out What's now. It's today? All... Is it Thursday? Today's Tharm Day. Tharm Day. <laughs> That's great. How uh how much like you know how much has the word gotten out there? How much has like the popularity grown? Have you guys seen like an increase over time now? Yeah. So I think that uh, when we first, I mean, shoot, everything kind of happened so fast. So I, I guess to kind of like just to take a step back. I mean, it was really a conversation that when we had first. I guess started talking about this it was really like when we were just having a few margaritas and being like how can we possibly get less screwed by the mini tour system combined with you know the corn fairy mondays type thing and then when uh pj tour canada axed their season last year skylar and i were both going to be up there um that's kind of when we were like okay we kind of need to do something about this like and now that we have officially have unlimited time on our hands uh let's you know get something going and the corn fairy tour just kind of released their uh i guess summer slash fall schedule 
And the first two events were in San Antonio. We were like, perfect. Four hour drive. We can go down there. We can just, you know, set it up. Let's put it all together. I think that we put together the website. We were told it was going to be in one week, done in one week. It was done in three weeks. Um, <laughs> I think that registration opened for our first tournament like two weeks before, but we still had like got 26 guys and we had kind of done a bunch of uh, legwork on Instagram, just trying to be just our jackass selves and just making fun of ourselves and just trying to promote ourselves as a fun tour. Um, and I think that it kind of, I guess, worked a little bit. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think we probably created everything in the middle of June and uh, of 2020. And now I guess seven or no, eight to nine months later, I think we're over like 1100 followers on Instagram. And I think that um, the tour is definitely grown. Now, Skyler and I will go to tournaments and we'll be like, oh, you guys are like the PFP guys now. We're not. Unfortunately, not known for our golf. More so, yeah. yeah, at least you're yeah, known for right. something. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, That's right. awesome. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's just kind of word of mouth that I think that people are really starting. Like, I know that we get a bunch of comments all the time of like, really appreciate what you guys are doing, things like that, yada yada. And we're like, oh, thank you so much. Please sign up. But yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but how many? Um, how how many, like uh, kind of going off what you're just saying, how many, how easy has it for you guys to, like to kind of take this idea? Like how many ropes have you had to kind of like, like, has it been easy? Has it been like, has there been a bunch of hurdles or? Go for I would say, like, I mean, like any business that you're starting, I mean, as we, we both obviously went to school, I was business, we were business major too, right, Sean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anything that's starting a business that, you're going to face some hurdles of figuring out not knowing what we're doing. But right. overall, I think it was pretty smooth as far as reaching out to courses, kind of mapping it out that way, setting up the events and running them. We really didn't have too many issues for the most part, a little bit smoother sailing than we were expecting. But I yeah, mean, it's good, especially yeah. through a pandemic. Exactly. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who opens yeah. a business during a pandemic? Yeah, yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> right. One of those where it was like, okay, if it doesn't work, like, that's fine. Like we right. have the entry fees. We're able to pay out people. It's not like we're in the whole money. It's not like we're having to like, yeah, we weren't ever going to be in a situation where we overextended ourselves. And right. yeah, that's kind of, kind of our entire process about the tour is we're not going to overpromise anything. It's like, look, we're always going to pay out from the entry fees. Mm -hmm. uh, we're never going to be the tour that says, Oh, we're going to give 20 grand first. And then when all of a sudden you don't get enough signups and the tournament goes all of a sudden, uh, hey, bud, congrats on the win, but we can only give you 10. Like, yeah. that's the moment mini tours die instantly. And mm -hmm. all of them have done that. And it seems like a lot of the pay structures that some of these other ones do is that they're just like playing a game of chicken and they're just kicking a can down the road until that one tournament where they don't get enough signatures to cover the next one. They're toast and yeah. people don't get paid and people get pissed. And we're, we're like, we're in a situation where we're ponying up like in some of these mini tour events, like 900 to $1,300. Right. And if we finish and make two to three grand and you can't pay us like, like that, that's our, that's our lives. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not playing in that turn, that tour again. Right. Like, there's, yeah. There's like, no I mean, that, reason. That's instantly like gone. Yeah. And so it'd be um, like for me working all week and then not getting paid. It's just, yeah, it doesn't make exactly. sense. <laughs> right. It's like golf is already enough like that. Like yeah. I don't need it yeah. to be, I don't need to not get paid when I play well too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. So how many, how many uh, tournaments did you have last year and what's the projection for this year? So we had, I think we had nine total. Um, mm -hmm. I think eight of those may have followed the uh, corn Ferry schedule, eight or seven. 
Um, and then this year we're going to follow pretty much all the corn fairs. It's been a wraparound season from last year to this year. So it's kind of weird. So I think we have 11 on the schedule right now. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, I think 11 that are following that are going to be around the corn fair Mondays. Yeah. yeah, which will wrap up like in July. And then we've got our team masters event, which is um, an exciting event where we can go more into detail later, but that's in December. Yeah. And then looking at mm -hmm. just some other kind of independent events that we'll do maybe in the fall or winter kind of in between Q schools or maybe Q school prep type things. Yeah. So I think like last year was just, okay, let's get like our feet in the water and see if we can run these events. And then last year, you know, we had some success running them, you know, seeing how we're doing it. And then this year, now we can bring in some partners, start to, incentivize guys to play um more of our events and then maybe throw a little bit more money into the purse so i think our progression has been kind of steady we're not trying to run too fast before we walk smoothly so kind um, of quality over quantity kind of thing exactly yeah yeah for a lot of people a lot of tours get greedy is that then they're like okay well let's just like crank up the numbers a little bit here and then we take a little bit more there and then all right. of a sudden before you know it's like yeah you're behind the eight ball and you're owing people. So exactly. we've done, yeah, I think a pretty good job, safe job of trying to move at the right pace. Yeah. And yeah. you guys are so transparent too. I've seen on Instagram, you show out the payouts, you show out exactly where all the money is going and stuff. So I feel like for a guy playing on a tour like that, like, you know, exactly what's going to happen. So like, it, it's almost an incentive to people that have played in, in the events to tell people, Hey, this is a really cool tour. Like, this is what happened. So I, I feel like it's just gonna, it'll boom. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's something, that's something that's when Skylar and I were kind of asking each other, okay, like, like what, what would we want to see in a tour? Um, that was one of the things that we kind of first thought of, uh, cause they're, I mean, I'm, just, I'm not going to come here and name names of many tours and stuff like that that <laughs> yeah. have kind of done this. But but there's a, a, a lot of the, the models that they use. Um, you pay a large membership fee, quote, membership fee to, uh, you know, to this tour at the beginning of the year in order to receive access to this is only to receive access to cheaper entry fees. So mm -hmm. in, if I paid this membership fee, I'm only going to have to pay eight hundred and fifty dollars per event instead of. I would have to pay a thousand for another event. So right. it's, it, it really, it unfortunately locks a lot of people in to being like a, a lot of golfers. I don't feel like understand the concept of a sunk cost. It's like, just because you paid for it doesn't mean you have to continue to get screwed. Um, right, right. But <laughs> like, I'm like, come on people. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's easy to think that though, when you uh, pay 1500 to two grand to be a member of this and, and it really, it doesn't give you anything except cheaper access or you know, cheaper access to these tournaments, which I mean, we, we you're can go on play, and on yeah. about the pay uh, the payouts of these things. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean, as far as uh, that's one of the things that we plan. wanted to see. Yeah. 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 Was the transparency from tour or from a tour to show, Hey, if I'm paying a, you know, our entry fee is standard 900 bucks. It's like, where's my $900 going? This is going, it's going to, you know, course costs, it's going to, this is what the credit card company takes out, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that's really important because um, then people can grasp, like people can wrap their minds around us making, you know, $2,500 in a 50 person right. event, like, like that, like that as a player, I'm like, good yeah. for you. That's fine. Cause there's you a lot that goes on into this. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's when, it's when you've collected membership fees at the beginning of the year and you, uh, have 178 people at this event 
And a lot of them, the members paid a thousand or 900 and the non-members paid 1300. Then all of a sudden there's only 120 grand in the purse. It's like, <laughs> where is it? Where it's is like, it? there's, there's only one place it went and they yeah. have sponsors. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's just, it's something that, that it was kind of almost like, a, like a call to action a little bit. Like, like we yes. wanted to kind of start a conversation because a lot of, you know, I mean, frankly, I think that we were, were just getting taken advantage of by a lot of these mini tours because it's one of those things. It's like we'd give them an inch. We'd be like, OK, fine, you can take a little more on the first. And then they take a mile and we have to play them because we need the competitive reps. So it's right. like I so and I'm hoping that that just starts the conversation of, OK, you know what? Like you're paying a lot of money to play this event. Like you deserve an answer to where that money is going. Right. And hopefully that happens. That's kind of was our idea. So yeah, just with the depth now with the number of players there are, like same thing with PGA Tour Q schools and and all these different qualifiers. They're filling the fields no matter if the if the entry fee is twenty five hundred, three grand, four. It just keeps going up. Like tuitions and colleges, people are still going. So it's like they're like, all right, where's the money? What are you gonna do? Not play? Right, exactly. You have to do them. Exactly. So if we can help out our fellow players in something in these smaller events where you, you have to allocate your money to Q school because you've got, you've got to give yourself a chance to play Canada or play corn Ferry or, or move up. But in between there's so many guys that are burning through money that don't get the chance to actually make it and move up because they haven't allocated their money the right way. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, I mean, we don't have to create all the longevity experience. Yes. But yeah. make your dollar spread a little bit longer so that, you know, you have more opportunities to move up and actually make it. Yeah. It's yeah. just the whole concept of the whole thing. I can't, I honestly can't believe that there wasn't anything like this before because it just makes so much sense. Like it's, yeah. it's, you know, that's what we keep saying, but yeah, it's just it's, it's, like waiting for this other shoe to drop. That's like, Oh yeah. crap. That's why, but like yeah. it hasn't happened yet. There's not. So, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's wild <laughs> to me. So yeah. I guess, I guess my next question is like, we've talked about depth of field and stuff like that. Are you going to put a cap on this thing? So the competition doesn't get like so crazy or, or with a, with a bigger depth problem to happen. What's that? <laughs> I would love for that problem to happen. Yeah. yeah. So, so what, what do you think would happen? Would you, would you open the field to like higher and like more payouts kind of things to keep, or, or how what are you going to do when it gets huge I, I would just say right now it's one um for the people that we have it's so it's me sean and brendan that work yeah. it brendan is sean's brother um who is at every tournament he's the tournament operator rules yeah. guy so just because of our limitations in our workforce our employees that we have to run these events yeah. one we cap it we try to right now at 84 guys which is one, you know, one end morning wave, one wave field. So that way we can give the afternoon wave to the courses that we're running out. So from that aspect, if we were to be, if we were filling up fields and then we could bring on one or two other guys to help like work the events, then we could continue to grow that way, which is definitely possible and potentially foreseeable. Um, But right now, just, yeah, I guess, again, it's just building that steady growth that we are, supporting what we have right now and what we need what's what's adequate to you know fund um what we need to pay ourselves and for the travel expenses and those things like that but i would love to see it grow because i i can't see why 
the majority of the people playing that Corn Ferry Monday that miss Wouldn't it would play. not play in our event. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It, it, it really, that's, we still keep, but people are sheep as right. <laughs> pro, yeah. they're like, oh, are you playing it? It's once you all of a sudden say, oh, there's, that's why we had our problem in the beginning that we would like, we would have seven guys that would be like, oh, like, are you going to play? And they're like, oh, I'll wait and see if they sign up. And then we had 20 people saying the same thing. And I'm like, if you guys all signed up, if everybody, yeah, if then we'd have 50 signed guys up. signed up. Yeah. But they're procrastinators and they're sheep. So it's just, if we keep putting good events together and more guys they see that are like, oh, you're playing in that. Oh, I'll play in that too. And then it's like, then we have some credibility. And then yeah. I think then we have the fields filling up a little bit more. And then then we can start looking into building it into 156 player field or 120 or something like that, where it could really be something big. Yeah. The sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. To, to I think, boost the yeah. 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 I mean, and I think that, uh, I mean, just as far as uh, we really want to kind of stay true to one of the things that we do is we make sure that um, everybody who's pays gets three guaranteed rounds. Yeah. And so um, kind of that's the only like hurdle that's like once uh, obviously great problem to have. And once we get there, um, but we are going to still try to figure out a way to, you know, guarantee those three rounds yeah. for everybody. Um, we want to try to stay true to that because that, I mean, that's one of the main reasons we started it is that right. kind of we don't want anybody we've been, yeah, we've been stuck in hotel rooms in you know, Sao Paulo, Brazil, because we missed the cut and have nothing to do. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Knoxville, Tennessee is Sao Paulo, Brazil, but like <laughs> if, if you miss the cut at a mini tour, you know, like, I mean, we don't want anybody to be bored. We want everybody to be able to go out there and regardless of, you know, how poor you're playing, how great you're playing, whatever, you're playing that final round. And I think that I know that Skyler would probably agree with me is that those are some of the most important rounds when you fired back to back 75s and you're like, oh my God, I'm like 19 shots out of the money. Like, I'm like, well, like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to give up? Or are you going to go out there and try to get better? Because at tournaments, like down the road in your career, it's like, you're going to shoot a first round 75 and you need to find a way how to, uh, you know, find out how to go make the cut on Friday. And I think that's where you learn how to do that. And there's so many guys that, you know, you go play a, a 200 person field and they cut to 55. I mean, that's 150 guys that go home that, you know, didn't get the chance to go and, you know, see what they could do, even if it wasn't their best week to try to make something of it. And I think once again, going back to that mental attitude of, you know, of, you know, trying to learn yourself and trying to learn how you handle adversity, especially in the middle of a tournament. I think that we're able, like our events and our format is able to really help out guys with that and help them learn kind of how to handle that. Yeah. It's, I, I can't say enough how awesome it is. And the whole cart thing too. That's just, Oh yeah. We're lazy, dude. So we're not sick, walking. Dude. It, it's brutal in the summer. I mean, if you're in yeah. Chicago, these places, it's hot, it's humid. You're walking the practice round, you're walking the Monday. And then a lot of these other tours, you're going, you're playing four rounds. You're walking again by the you're time walking you get every to the round. Day, yeah. you're exhausted. Yeah. And I mean, at this stage it is, it's, it's saving energy and you're, you want to peak at the right time. You don't want to peak for our PFP event. may make you some money. You want to peak right. at that Monday. You want to peak at yeah. whatever that big event. We are that build-up event to give you reps, make some money, and and really give you some positive vibes going into your next big event. Yeah, it's yeah. such an awesome system, man. I, I love it. And you guys, uh, actually how we met, you you guys have a sponsor, Harleston's. Shout out to Weston. Um, Shout out, Weston. He, he got and us. And his Bud uh, Light. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> he, probably right now. <laughs> <laughs> he got us together talking and um, why don't you just tell us, I, I think you have Jones golf bags and, or Jones golf company, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And Harleston's just tell us the added value that they bring to, to your tournaments too. Go for it, Sky. Yeah, I will. I will say just piggybacking on building up from last year where we put to, together events. We didn't reach out to companies, partners, because it's hard to tell them like we may have 10 people at this event or we may have 30 like we didn't have really any credibility to build sponsorship or partners and so this year once we had our full schedule set we knew we were going to have like bigger fields then it was like okay now it's time to reach out to some of these companies and say like hey we have you know this instagram following we have these players and this is the exposure that you want some of these companies to expose you know their newer products like you know harleston's a company that started last year in the pandemic mm-hmm. um producing great shirts um yeah, this actual shout out again. right here yeah. this collar there you go yeah exactly. this collar is in uh it's harleston, so we baby. yeah so we we've teamed up with i think four at the moment now so harleston's as far as our shirts jones um golf company which makes great backpacks duffel bags so each winner will get a jones backpack or duffel bag with the jones and pfp logo which are really sweet um, they'll get a two hundred and fifty dollar Harleston's gift card to go to the website and get some shirts or, nice. or whatever they want. And then we've joined up with um, a yardage book company um, and Decade, which is also a um, kind of strategy system for course management and provides discounts to um, guys that are wanting to improve their course management, things like that. So we're trying to we have the players. And we have the exposure. So if we can kind of connect these companies to these players and build it up that way, I think yeah. it's kind of a win-win for both sides. That's what we talk to these companies about trying to make it mutually beneficial for both parties. Absolutely. So we can be kind of the middlemen for that and provide them with some good clothes or some cool bags or sweet yardage books or yeah. whatever it is, you know, that's um, it's kind of a win-win on, on both sides. I mean, any golf swag is really exactly yeah people want to feel cool you know they want to feel like getting a discount like and that's yeah exactly if we can make that happen then it's ideal it uh it it seems like obviously you know instagram is so big for you guys we just recently started like about a year ago i'm i'm curious with you guys just starting like instagram kind of being that biggest vehicle for content right it's like how was that with you? Were you guys active social media goers before this? Like how, how has that transition been and have you enjoyed it? I know Sean, you, you seem like quite the personality. So I feel like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a leprechaun yesterday on our Instagram page. So that- <laughs> I don't know how I missed that, but I'm going to have to scroll Check back. Out. That. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like to have fun with it. I, I think that's part of it is, yeah, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So yeah. I think we, we try to have fun with it. And, um, I, yeah, I think both of us are pretty moderate as far as our involvement on Instagram or social media. And so, um, building it up has just been kind of, yeah, fun. He pitches in a little bit. I think a teamwork makes it a little bit easier when he throws a post in, like I'll throw a story or post in and make it work that way and kind of just have fun with it. It's been, yeah, it's, it's been kind of fun. Well, you just want to be original. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. It's. It's like, I, I love it when like Max Homa makes fun of like, this is what my agent would want me to tweet. And he, then he ends it with like hashtag golf or whatever, um, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's like, nobody wants to hear us say like, 
this is today's like leader. This is these are the groups or whatever. Yeah. It's like they right. like we want to put our own funny spin on it. And exactly. it's like I remember when we were both tied like for the lead after the first day, and like I shot like seventy four the next day. I was like, well. He didn't want. We didn't want to make it too obvious that it was collusion. So <laughs> yeah. I fell on can't the win your own tournament. And, exactly. Yeah, that's why I lost my playoff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You couldn't win your own tournament. Yeah, so that was very noble of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was on purpose. But yeah. yeah, it's just things like that that you know people are kind of I don't know something different. Like a lot of the mini tours, they just you know you post the schedule, you post the other things, yada yada. Um, but we kind of like to try to have fun with it. And I think that, I mean, I think that, well, I, I frankly, I don't care what people think. It's like, it's like, yeah, if you hate it. It, that's fine. Oh, I don't yeah. really care, but, yeah. <laughs> but we have fun doing it. So that's yeah. all that matters. You guys are doing so. great. I, I love everything <laughs> about it. Um, and you guys are starting this, this episode is actually going to uh, drop on the first day of your first tournament here, March 24th, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to take too much more of your guys' time. Do you guys have anything else you want to throw out there? I know you wanted to talk maybe about the December tournament. Yeah, that, 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 that could be a maybe a separate podcast on its own. Yeah, kind of yeah. we'll get it that when we're later. Well, that's if we're invited back. Easier. I don't know if we're invited back. So. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. when, oh, we, when, we, when we book our flights to go down to Daytona, right. we'll, we'll have you back on and we can, and we can talk about that. Love it. Uh, John, awesome. you got anything else before we, we let these guys go? No, go check out PF, uh, sorry, PFP tour on Instagram. Um, that tournament that we're talking about right now, the players list just dropped today. So check that out. Um, some pretty big names in there, but no, it was uh, great talking to you guys. Love the vision, the message. Um, yeah. Excited to, uh, to keep this going. Thanks boys. Yeah, yeah. We appreciate it. We're happy to be uh, happy. You guys had us and um, Skylar, that's a fellow Bostonian down there. So oh, hey, go saw it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe we're gonna end it on that. Uh, go socks, we're ending it on go. We'll socks. cut it right go, there. We'll cut it go, right. Go there. socks. <laughs> the Nantucket, the Nantucket twang. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Your right, bougie uh, seersucker. Yep. Well, thank you again for coming on. We're gonna be we're gonna be trying to promote this too. We got some things in the works. I know we've been talking about. So uh, it's not the last time that we're gonna see you guys. So thanks yeah. again. We're excited. Absolutely. No, thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks Weston from Harleston's too. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to Weston. That was awesome. Yeah. Have a Bud Light for us, buddy. Yeah. Or uh, two. (laughs) (laughs) All righty guys. Thanks again. Dude, I don't know about you, but we could have talked for hours more with that thing. But I think, I think they painted a pretty good picture about exactly what they wanted to talk about. And cannot wait to have them on again and just get get more in depth about everything and and just i don't know get nerdy about golf it was a lot of fun yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun follow to now follow it more intently it's a it's a good like i mean they talked to some of the names they were throwing out there but even looking at the uh the event for this weekend it's just a good group of guys like yeah it's a lot of you know like they said it's a lot of young guys just trying to trying to make it on on the corn ferry and and to the pros and or to the tour and it's just it's gonna be fun to see kind of like you know who makes it from from their little uh circuit first you know that's it man so let's uh we got a we got a few minutes i think we uh i think we should just talk i mean a little bit about pga like all i have to say is that matt jones won and i think we're gonna talk about the pga as quickly as he plays because i I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you i did not really watch that much it was 
almost 60 degrees out. It was just way too nice to be watching golf. And it was a piss poor field. Um, just one of those weeks where like the Honda classic has been around forever. And it's just one of those things that it's just slowly declining and it's becoming one of those just in-betweeners. I mean, we've had the most ridiculous run of golf and we're due for a week like this. So, I mean, kudos to Matt Jones. I think he won like seven years ago, right? Something like that. Yeah. And, but boy, does that boy play quick. Did you <laughs> see that at all? I, I did. I saw a couple. It It's it's amazing like especially Yo, nowadays like makes me uncomfortable like it's like are you ready dude <laughs> like, you're you you're even like watching him like you're ready for it but you're never ready for how quick he goes exactly. like it just it's never it never feels right yeah it was uh incredible uh i think you know oh shout out to frankie too it's his birthday today so if you're still listening hopefully you are um happy birthday to deuce he he's not with us tonight because he's he's partying taking shots and i think he got a new mic too dude so i think we're gonna be yes. the three amigos so yeah happy, happy birthday bir- deuce happy birthday deuce um but he said that matt jones is probably his favorite player on, because of how fast he plays and that he's gonna try and mimic it so i'm excited to see that i need to see that <laughs> Oh my God. So funny. But yeah, I don't have really anything else on the PJ tour. So let's, I, I want to talk about like our range sessions and I know we're really jacked up about going, uh, to our, um, our lesson with coach Pete. We had to reschedule unfortunately, but we're, uh, we're working hard to get that back on the schedule and, and really get our, our swings in tune. But dude, I, the first rain session out you had, uh, was pretty, pretty, uh, went pretty well for you. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I really struggled with how I wanted to, you know, even if I wanted to disclose this information and I don't know if I should keep it pretty close to the chest, but no, you can't, yeah. you have no, a, you have a golf podcast. <laughs> I know. No, it's, uh, it's, it's been, it, it was refreshingly weird. Um, how clean the transition's been this year. Uh, <laughs> definitely the easiest transition that I've had, yeah. coming out of a winter um obviously didn't touch a club really for three months uh four, three to four months and i can so i've had three sessions now three full range sessions um and yeah it's been it feels i don't i don't know i don't want to jinx it it just feels it feels very it feels very right it's very simple um we can i, got, I don't know if you want to go through the the range session dude or... let's just get into it we haven't right. done this in a while like yeah i saw i just saw a video of those butter cuts that you were hitting and coming from my perspective i'm i'm pretty pissed off that you're hitting the ball that well after after the winter you had and the winter i had like i feel like you know i don't know you're the better yeah, so, athlete so so just tell tell us how you do it how do you how do you not know so club and then just come back in buttercups like a like a gangster yeah so it it, <laughs> it goes well i mean we we've, we've kind of talked about it. it's it's been a, a culmination of everything i think i think it's a lot has to do with the whole adam young thing the book that i was learning we actually um listening back to the coach pete podcast we talked about it um but like the difference between block practice, which is like what we're doing right now, which is these range sessions where there's no variables. It's like, how do you, how do you get the most out of those sessions? So, Mm -hmm. and like, how do you actually understand what's happening where it's not like, I'm just going to throw a ball down. I'm going to go hit fucking eight, eight, eight irons, eight, 10, you know, eight, nine irons, not have any target, just do just hit balls. So now this year, or what I learned at the end of last year, which I I say all that to, this is kind of like how the first two range sessions went. It was very simple. Like, so I really, I based all of this off the, 
off this guy's like he posts full YouTube videos of his practice session and goes through exactly what it is. So I'll just kind of explain it so that it makes sense. So what you do is like you hit a 60, you hit like a handful to 10, 60 yard shots, hundred yard shots, 120 yard shots, 140 yard shots, and so on 20 yard intervals. Mm -hmm. And really all you're doing is you're taking a wedge out and you're just, you're hitting five balls and you're finding your swing pattern for that day. So very simple. If you're looking down on a club face, where am I, am I, am one, is my strike consistent? And if it is, where is it on the face? And so this is what I was saying is like first day back, I go, I take a, take a wedge out. I hit probably 10 balls, all of them high toe off a wedge. Not like, you know, so what that is for me, that's like a little like right hand, like draw kind of pull draw, just okay. a little, like a little offline. Um, so it was very simple as just like, okay, my pattern today when I line up, and I'm just trying to strike the ball, nail through the ball, just strike it straight. I'm hitting high toe. So okay. all I'm doing is moving my thought process, moving the ball where I'm aiming at the ball. And now I'm almost feeling like I'm hitting it low heel. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty much trying to essentially zero out where that strike is. Right. So what if, I, if my normal for the, right for now, for the people that don't know the difference between heel and toe, and you're still following this conversation, heel is on the outside of the club. And Ertz, excuse me, I'm going to confuse him even more. Heel is on the inside of the club and toe is on the outside of the club. Yeah, you think of it as your own foot. If your foot was yeah. pointed down, you know, exactly. where, where's the, where's your heel? Where's your toe? Um, Don't listen and, to me either. <laughs> and so it was just as simple as like, just that feeling. I know it, it's, it felt weird to commit to, but I was just committing to feeling like I was legit, like setting up the ball on the inside. If the, if the face is where the if the ball is on the face, I'll just off the, off the heel, like off yeah. the, so it was just as simple as that. And I, everything just zeroed out and everything That's was a strike in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. And I didn't, yeah, it's been weird. I haven't like second, second thing, uh, our second session did the same exact thing, went through the whole bag, felt like really good about the whole bag. No, right. no, like no big, no real misses, like no, yeah. no drastic misses. That's um, awesome, dude. And then today it went for the third time and it was weird. It was the first time like my pattern changed, which is normal. Like, but that's the idea that, that well, you that's a thing, different day, different kind of thing. But like it, you're, you're, you're basically saying is like, and what we talked a little bit about last week is just like knowing what's going on. So like, exactly. Say, say the third session, you were starting to hit it towards the heel. And then, so then you go and try and hit it on the toe and then it equals out. Like it's, it seems so simple like logically that I don't know. I don't know why we just came across this because like the fact that it actually works and it's actually like, once you kind of understand the whole concept of the whole thing that it actually, you know, can work. And so the biggest thing I should say is that where this is where I feel like it's, it's been different from years past is that even right away when I've had no, when I didn't pick a club up and like everything, these three range sessions, there's really been zero technical thoughts. So it's just okay. as simple as like, all right, I, I feel like I know what my swing is. Like I'm trying to really simplify my swing yeah. and just now I'm just going to let the club face after every swing, I'm looking at the club face and I'm just going to let that tell me what the story is. I'm not, right. I'm not really worried about what it looks like. I'm not really like, I'm just trying to kind of control what I have as like a baseline. Because so, he says, he says that it doesn't, it's, it's just like throwing a basket or throwing a football or something. You don't think about like your mechanics when you're actually sh like looking at a target and throwing the ball. So you're basically just letting the athlete come out of you and you're swinging and it exactly seems to be right. Yeah, exactly. It's, right. It's as simple as like, I know it sounds simple and it may sound yeah. weird, but it really is as simple as like thinking of the nail in the ball, in the ball whichever yeah. spot of it. And, and you just kind of feel the path that you want to make. It's either, right. it's, it's funny too, because like, 
doing it today. I, so today I was saying that my pattern changed where I wasn't toe, I wasn't high toe. Um, my, my normal swing was actually like a little bit like middle heel. Um, so like, but like just off, like it was really close and, and it was weird. Like today I just had all all day. It was the same swing. It was the same, like, it was just that same fade ball flight. And I was just like, I'm not going to really try to do anything today. I'm not going to, I don't want to try to move the ball. I don't really want to like, and so I, it was just like, okay, today is just like, you have your swing, just try to swing. Just like, just try and yeah. just, just swing. Um, I think that's a great way to practice too, because like, it's just, and every day you go to the course, it's, you have something different. Like, yeah, so exactly. just working with that, like, okay, today I'm hitting the little baby draw, like just work with it. And like, but I don't know, knowing how to adjust and being able to like, hit a straight ball if you wanted to try and adjust. And eventually that's where you're going to get is you're going to be able to make the adjustment to the shot that you want to hit. Exactly. So like if you've been playing a baby draw and you need a, a crispy little cut down a dog leg left or something, that is what you need. And you can, you can adjust it. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you know what that pretty and, wild. and you have, and you know what that feel is. So that's really yeah. like ne- next steps. It's like, what I'm doing right now is really just to like get a baseline. And and the way that yeah. I was explaining it is like, if anything, I feel like my floor is just higher because now yeah. I feel like I have like this that I can kind of rely on, but exactly. really the next steps are like, okay, now, now like on purpose, hit the toe on purpose, hit the heel. Now right. like really like do that on purpose, not where it's just like, you're just counterbalancing it. So, right. um, but yeah, three sessions. Yeah. How about you? Where, That's where, awesome, man. where your, uh, how your range I- sessions going? Oh, you got the net uh, I, set up. I got the net, dude. The net is a game changer, really. Like I uh I had to today. I I got out of work a little early today and had, you know, a half hour to spare. And I went and hit a very small bucket. I just had to like see ball flight because that's the only thing I really don't like about the net is that you can't see like your ball flight. You can feel it, you know where you're hitting it and that kind of thing. And dude, today was mint, like just every i've been working a lot with that tempo that pure one tempo swing oh yeah it's dude i feel like if i can translate like and i know this is so hard to do if i can translate just not wanting to swing hard onto the golf cart course it's gonna be awesome because i was just peering the ball today like it felt so good so every explain, and, ex- and the ball flight, that dude, club Explain that club. Explain okay, like, yeah. why, like why. So the yeah. pure one, it's literally like just the sweet spot of a club. And it a actually very it, small, a very, very small. Like it's basically the width of a golf ball and it's a, a swingable club that you can hit the golf ball with. And it's dude, it's awesome because once you use it a few times and like I started off at the range and I hit five balls and it just Cause I hit a bunch of balls this weekend with it in the net and dude, I peered them little oh, baby, wow. little baby draw. Like it was a perfect, so, it was beautiful. What so, you're, what you were saying is like, are you saying that because the face is so small that you realize that you had to slow your tempo down and that's what kind of got you in the groove? It's it, right, exactly because it's like a more controlled swing. I feel like, like with, like you cannot, unless you're maybe a pro, like you can't like swing hard and expect to hit that it's basically luck if you hit the you know what i'm saying like you have to be controlled and you have to be like super focused and then when you move from that to a thing it looks like a a damn 
frying pan on the end of your club when you're done because it it just looks so big and you realize it almost it, it makes me realize that you do have more room for error than you think oh yeah but you know what clubs, i'm saying like the gear effect oh it's, god yeah it's crazy you know you you look at the same club the whole time and like you're like damn i keep missing i keep missing you're not really missing that bad because if you miss with that pure one glove dude yeah, yeah you're getting one if you hit it off the heel you're getting it in your damn kneecap and like you know the guards on the driving range oh yeah like, i was so nervous i was like way up in the box just so oh, could, my God. just in case but dude Great. that club is awesome but yeah i i had some i've, I've been striking the ball really well and I, I think it's like i've talked about before it's the tempo with me and I just think I swung too hard. And like another thing that I've noticed is that um, like with this whole tempo thing, I can keep my head on the ball the whole time. Like it's still moving like up and down, but I see the ball longer. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not like gearing up and then kind of, uh, it's just, I, I feel way more controlled is yeah. basically what's it, happening. And it makes sense. The quieter your swing, the, you know, the less. And it's weird too. Yeah. My ball flight today was higher than it's ever been. So I think, I think, um, cause I've been hitting off a mat too. And I've really been trying to like focus on hitting ball first strike. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. that might be a difference. I'm, I might be coming a little more down on the ball and, and deeper, which will, you know, which is what you wanted. You know, I have really low ball flight with pretty much everything. Yeah. Real, real spinny, low, low ball flight. So we'll see, man. I'm, I'm super excited about it. The net yeah. is if I could swing four or five times a week like that's it's mint it's it, it it's funny to me now like thinking about this that we just had this whole conversation i i i, I love the fact that people are are still listening but coming off just listening to two tour pros and then like <laughs> and then just, and then we're breaking down our our 13 and 11 handicap swings like uh, like we're pros it's hilarious <laughs> um and and so let's yeah if, if, uh luke kwan if you're listening shout out to you and and god bless your soul <laughs> let's uh that's a perfect transition i know i think uh i think it was skylar who had a great um who had a great point about like what real pressure is as far as like making a putt like these guys are making a putt to literally like get their card like yeah not you know we talk about missing putts on the pga tour of like you know losing a bunch of money but there really is the pressure is just nothing compared to kind of what like these guys are going through but speaking of putting how uh how's that been going good man i uh i i showed you that little thing i've been doing and uh it's it's been i'm feeling more comfortable with it for sure uh still still putting which is nice i'm getting i'm getting a few putts in pretty much every day um i'm i'm starting to grind i'm starting to really grind just because yeah. it's three weeks dude i know and, i've been uh, yeah the thing that's upsetting me about the whole the whole connecticut masters thing is that uh, you're playing well and your handicap didn't go down yet. So I almost wish that it was like later in the year again so that your handicap would go down. And then... Well, to be fair, nobody, <laughs> well, no, I'm, not, I'm not playing anything. I haven't been on a real course. All that, that well, the range sessions are all fun and good, but we'll, yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see. And yeah. we, are, I, we are getting out, or I'm getting out at least this weekend, which I'm fired up about. Yeah, I'm um, upset that uh, I'm, going, I'm going to uh, open my parents' place up in New York might bring the clubs just in case but uh we'll see if they're open i think they're open i think yeah. oneana country club is open and i do a lot of places course, are opening so. up yeah so we'll see uh worst case i'm definitely bringing the net so we're i'm gonna be oh, swinging wow. for sure wow. i'm dedicated That's... um i'm not gonna tell you the the uh the name of the net because uh 
they just, they didn't read you know, I reached out to them and, and they didn't get back to me. So there's no free ads in this, on this, uh, Love it. <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah, I'm bringing it with me. So, um, so yeah, what else you got, man? How you, you've been putting too. I saw you did the R Newkirk five foot challenge. That was pretty oh, sick. Yeah. yeah, no, I've been, I've actually been putting a lot. Um, it's, I would I, I would rebuttal, but I still haven't made four in a row. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So at, at, at home, if you uh, if you have a putting mat at home, tag us in a video. You have to make just just make four four or five footers in a row. Take the old tape measure out yep. uh, and hashtag the uh, new Kirk five. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's been good. I I finally, um, which is hilarious to say, but I I've gotten away from, I changed my grip. I had, I was still Tell putting. You're doing the pencil grip. No, no, God, no. <laughs> it's actually, I, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's more normal than I, than I think it is, but I was putting as if I was hitting like a seven iron. Like I was interlocked, like normal, like oh, same, same grip I was using to hit a driver. So I used to do that. And pretty ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so have been switched and really just been like kind of getting the feel for this new one and i feel so much better with way it. more uh, comfy right way more comfy yeah oh my god like you just probably did it for the fingers. first pot and you're just like what the fuck yeah well it's funny lenore actually was like hey dude just like move your hand down and, and <laughs> like i sent him a video he's like just kind of hockey grip it and i did it i was like whoa this is weird game changer hell uh, yeah <laughs> so just yeah just been getting a bunch of reps but that's awesome oh, need to get out i uh yeah the range that i went to today there was a course that was open right behind it um so i was watching like people play and i was just like man this is you almost right did now. it didn't you no you should <laughs> no i wasn't i wasn't dressed to impress but oh all right <laughs> i wish well shit man what else what else you got i think we've kept everybody here long enough but That's this it. is i i need i'm glad we talked about all that <laughs> oh yeah needed to well, happen uh, ho- hopefully hopefully the next hopefully we'll have a plan for uh for when the when coach Pete starts. So, uh, yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah. And, uh, shout out to Sean and Skylar too. That was a, a great interview and, uh, yeah, just thanks for giving us your time and, and we'll be in touch. So we'll leave them on the 19th. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As always, we are produced by Deuce Productions. Shout out to Deuce himself. If you're liking our banter, subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like us on Instagram at the.lefties.lounge. And if you want to get in touch with us at all with any questions, comments, or something you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at theleftiesloungegolf at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.